0: All right. Ralph climbed out of the bathing pool and trotted up the beach and sat in the shade beneath the palms. His fair hair was plastered over his eyebrows, and he pushed it back. Simon was floating in the water and kicking with his feet, and Maurice was practicing diving. Piggy was mooning about, aimlessly picking up things and discarding them. The rock pools, which so fascinated him, were covered by the tide so that he was without an interest until the tide went back. Presently, seeing Ralph under the palms, he came and sat by him. Piggy wore the remainder of a pair of shorts. His fat body was golden brown, and the glasses still flashed when he looked at anything. He was the only boy on the island whose hair never seemed to grow. The rest were shock-headed, but Piggy's hair still lay in wisps over his head as though baldness were his natural state, and this imperfect covering would soon go, like the velvet on a young stag's antlers. I've been thinking, he said, about a plot. We could make a sundial. We could put a stick in the sand and then... The effort to express the mathematical processes involved was too great. He made a few passes instead. And an airplane, and a TV set, said Ralph sourly. and a steam engine. Piggy shook his head. You have to have a lot of metal things for that, he said. We haven't got no metal, but we got a stick. Ralph turned and smiled involuntarily. Piggy was a bore. His fat, his asthma, and his matter-of-fact ideas were dull. But there was always a little pleasure to be got out of pulling his leg, even if one did it by accident. Piggy saw the smile and misinterpreted it as friendliness. There had grown up, a, a, there had grown up tacitly among the biggins and the opinion that Piggy was an outsider, not only by accident, which did not matter, but by fat, and asthma and specs and a certain disinclination for manual labor. Now, finding that something he had said made Ralph smile, he rejoiced and pressed his advantage. We got a lot of sticks, we could have a sundial each. Then we should know what the time was. A fat lot of good that would be. You said you wanted things done, so as we could be rescued. Oh, shut up. He leapt to his feet and trotted back to the pool, just as Maurice did another, did a rather poor dive. Ralph was glad of a chance to change the subject. He shouted as Maurice came to the surface. Belly flop, belly flop. Maurice flashed a smile at Ralph, who slid easily into the water. Of all the boys, he was, at, he was the most at home there. But today, irked by the mention of rescue, the useless footling mention of rescue, even the great green depths of water and the shattered golden sun held no balm. Instead of remaining and playing, he swam with steady strokes under Simon and crawled out the other side of the pool to lie there, sleek and streaming like a seal. Piggy, always clumsy, stood up and came to stand by him so that Ralph rolled on his stomach and pretended not to see. The mirages had died away, and gloomily he ran his eye along the top blue line of the horizon. The next moment, he was on his feet and shouting, Smoke! Smoke! Simon tried to sit up in the water and got a mouthful. Maurice, who'd been standing ready to dive, swayed back on his heels, made a bolt for the platform, then swore back to the grass under the palms. There he had started to pull on his tattered shorts to be ready for anything. Ralph stood, one hand holding back his hair. The other was clenched. Simon was climbing out of the water. Piggy was rubbing his glasses on his shorts and squinting at the sea. Maurice had got both legs through one leg of his shorts. Of all the boys, only Ralph was still. "'I can't see no smoke,' said Piggy, incredulously." I can't see no smoke. Ralph, where is it? Ralph said nothing. Now both his hands were clenched over his forehead so that the fair hair was kept out of his eyes. He was leaning forward, and already the salt was whitening his body. Ralph, where's the ship? Simon stood by, looking from Ralph to the horizon. Maurice's trousers gave way with a sigh, and he abandoned them as a wreck, rushed toward the forest, and then came back again. The smoke was a tight little knot on the horizon and was uncoiling slowly. Beneath the smoke was a dot that might be a funnel. Ralph's face was pale as he spoke to himself. They'll see our smoke. Piggy was looking in the right direction now. It don't look much. He turned round and peered up at the mountain. Ralph continued to watch the ship ravenously. Color was coming back into his face. Simon stood by him, silent. I know I can't see very much, said Piggy, but have we got any smoke? Ralph moved impatiently, still watching the ship. The smoke on the mountain. Maurice came running and stared out to sea. Both Simon and Piggy were looking up at the mountain. Piggy screwed up his face, but Simon cried out, as though he had heard himself. Ralph! Ralph! The quality of his speech twisted Ralph on the sand. You tell me, said Piggy anxiously, is there a signal? Ralph looked back at the dispersing smoke on the horizon, then up at the mountain. Ralph, please, is there a signal? Simon put out his hand, timidly, to touch Ralph. But Ralph started to run, splashing through the shallow end of the bathing pool, across the hot white sand and under the palms. A moment later, he was battling with the complex undergrowth that was already engulfing the scar. Simon ran after him, then Maurice. Piggy shouted, Ralph, please, Ralph. Then he, too, started to run, stumbling over Maurice's discarded shorts before he was across the terrace. Behind the four boys, the smoke moved gently along the horizon, and on the beach, Henry and Johnny were throwing sand at Percival, who was crying quietly again, and all three were in complete ignorance of the excitement. By the time Ralph had reached the landward end of the scar, he was using precious breath to swear. He did desperate violence to his naked body among the rasping creepers, so that blood was sliding over him. Just where the steep ascent of the mountain began, he stopped. Maurice was only a few yards behind him. Piggy Specs, shouted Ralph. If the fire's all out, we'll need them. He stopped shouting and swayed on his feet. Piggy was only just visible, bundling up from the beach. Ralph looked at the horizon, then up to the mountain. Was it better to fetch fetch Piggy's glasses, or would the ship have gone? Or, Or if they climbed on, supposing the fire was all out? They had to watch Piggy crawling nearer and the ship sinking under the horizon. Balanced on a high peak of need, agonized by indecision, Ralph cried out, Oh, God, oh, God! Simon, struggling with the bushes, caught his breath, his face twisted. Ralph blundered on, savaging himself as the wisp wisp of smoke moved on. The fire was dead. They saw that straight away, saw what they had really known down on the beach when the smoke of home had beckoned. The fire was out, smokeless and dead. The watchers were gone. A pile of unused fuel lay ready. Ralph turned to the sea. The horizon stretched, impersonal once more, barren of all but the faintest trace of smoke. Ralph ran stumbling along the rocks, saving himself uh, saved himself on the edge of the pink cliff and screamed at the ship, Come back! Come back! He ran towards, backwards and forwards along the cliff, his face always to the sea. His voice rose insanely, Come back! Come back! Simon and Maurice arrived. Ralph looked at them with unweaking eyes. Simon turned away, smearing the water from his cheeks. Ralph reached inside himself for the worst word he knew. They let the bloody fire go out. He looked down at the unfriendly side of the mountain. Piggy arrived, out of breath and whimpering like a little one. Ralph clenched his fist and went very red. The intentness of his gaze, the bitterness of his voice, pointed for him. There they are. The procession had appeared far down among the pink stones that lay near the water's edge. Some of the boys wore black caps, but otherwise they were almost naked. They lifted sticks in the air together whenever they came to an easy patch. They were chanting, something to do with the bundle that the errant twins carried so carefully. Ralph picked out Jack easily, even at that distance, tall, red-haired, and inevitably leading the procession. Simon looked now from Ralph to Jack as he had looked from Ralph to the horizon, and what he saw seemed to make him afraid. Ralph said nothing more, but waited while the procession came nearer. The chant was audible, but at that distance, still wordless. Behind Jack walked the twins, carrying a great stake on their shoulders. The gutted carcass of a pig swung from the stake, swinging heavily as the twins toiled over the uneven ground. The pig's head hung down with a with gaping neck and seemed to search for something on the ground. At last, the words of the chant floated up to them, across the bowl of blackened wood and ashes kill the pig cut her throat spill her blood yet as the words became audible the procession reached the steepest part of the mountain and in a minute or two the chant had died away piggy sniveled and simon shushed him quickly as though he had spoken too loudly at church jack his face smeared with clays reached the top of reached the top first and hailed ralph excitedly with lifted spear. look We killed the pig! We stole up on them! We got in a circle! Voices broke in from the hunters. We got in a circle! We crept up! The pig squealed! The twins stood with the pig, swinging between them, dropping black gouts on the rock. They seemed to share one wide, ecstatic grin. Jack had too many things to tell Ralph at once. Instead, he danced a step or two, then remembered his dignity and stood still, grinning. He noticed blood on his hands and grimaced distastefully, looked for something on which to clean them, then wiped them on his shorts, laughed. Ralph spoke. You let the fire go out. Jack checked, vaguely irritated irritated by this irrelevance, but too happy to let it worry him. We can light the fire again. You should have been with us, Ralph. We had a smashing time. The twins got knocked over. We hit the pig. I fell on top. I cut the pig's throat, said Jack proudly, and yet twitched as he said it. Can I borrow yours, Ralph, to make a nick in the hilt? The boys chatted and danced. The twins continued to grin. There was lashings of blood, said Jack, laughing and shuddering. You should have seen it. We'll go hunting every day. Ralph spoke again, hoarsely. He had not moved. You let the fire go out. This repetition made Jack uneasy. He looked at the twins and then back at Ralph. We had to have them in the hunt, he said, or there wouldn't have been enough for a ring. He flushed, conscious of a fault. The fire's only been out an hour or two. We can light it up again. He noticed Ralph's scarred nakedness and the somber silence of all four of them. He sought, charitable in his happiness, to include them in the thing that had happened. His mind was crowded with memories, memories of the knowledge that had come to them when they closed in on the struggling pig. Knowledge they had knowledge that they had outwitted a living thing, imposed their will upon it, taken away its life like a long, satisfying dream. He spread his arms wide. You should have seen the blood The hunters were more silent now, but at this they buzzed again. Ralph flung back his hair, one arm pointed at the empty horizon. His voice was loud and savage and struck them in silence. There was a ship! Jack, faced at once with too many awful implications, ducked away from them. He had laid a hand on the pig and drew his knife. Ralph brought his arm down, fist clenched, and his voice shook. There was a ship! Out there! You said you'd keep the fire going, and you let it out! He took a step toward Jack, who turned and faced him. They might have seen us. We might have gone home. This was too bitter for Piggy, who forgot his timidity and the agony of his loss. He began to cry out, shrilly. You and your blood, Jack Marydew. You and your hunting. We might have gone home. Ralph pushed Piggy to one side. I was chief, and you were going to do what I said. You talk, but you can't even build huts. Then you go off hunting and let out the fire. He turned away, silent for a moment. Then his voice came again on a peak of feeling. There was a ship! One of the smaller hunters began to wail. The dismal truth was filtering through everybody. Jack went very red as he hacked and pulled at the pig. The job was too much. We needed everyone. Rough turn. You could have had everyone when the shelters were finished, but you had to hunt. We needed meat. Jack stood up as he said this, the bloody knife in his hand. The two boys faced each other. There was the brilliant world of hunting, tactics, fierce exhilaration, skill. And there was the world of longing and baffled common sense. Jack transferred the knife to his left hand and smudged blood on his, over his forehead as he pushed down the plastered hair. Piggy began again. You didn't ought to let the fire out. You said you'd keep the smoke going. This, from Piggy, and the wails of agreement from some of the hunters, drove Jack to violence. The bolting look came into his blue eyes. He took a step, and able at last to hit someone, stuck his fist into Piggy's stomach. Piggy sat down with a grunt. Jack stood over him. His voice was vicious with humiliation. You would, would you? Fatty! Ralph made a step forward, and Jack smacked Piggy's head. Piggy's glasses flew off and tinked on the rocks. Piggy cried out in terror. My specs! He went crouching and feeling over the rocks, but Simon, who got there first, found them for him. Passions beat about Simon on the mountaintop with awful wings. One side's broken. Piggy grabbed and put on the glasses. He looked malevolently at Jack. I got to have them specs. Now I only got one eye. Just you wait. Jack made a move toward Piggy, who scrambled away till a great rock lay between them. He thrust his head over the top and glared at Jack through one, his one flashing glass. Now I only got one eye. Just you wait. He mimicked the wine and scrambled. Just you wait. Yeah. Piggy and the parody were so funny that the hunters began to laugh. Jack felt encouraged. He went on scrambling and the laughter rose to a gale of hysteria. Unwillingly, Ralph felt his lips twitch and he was angry with himself for giving way. He muttered, that was a dirty trick. Jack broke out, of his, broke out of his gyration and stood facing Ralph. His words came in a shout. All right, all right. He looked at Piggy, at the hunters, at Ralph. I'm sorry. About the fire, I mean. There, I, he drew himself up. I apologize. The buzz from the hunters was one of admiration of his handsome behavior. Clearly, they were of opinion that Jack had done the decent thing and put himself in the right by by his generous apology and Ralph, obscurely, in the wrong. They waited for an appropriately decent answer. Yet Ralph's throat refused to pass one. He resented, as an addition to Jack's misbehavior, this verbal trick. The fire was dead. The ship was gone. Could they not see? Anger, instead of decency, passed his throat. That was a dirty trip. They were silent on the mountaintop while the opaque look appeared in Jack's eyes and passed away. Ralph's final word was an ungracious mutter. All right, light the fire. With some positive action before them, a little of the tension died. Ralph said no more, did nothing, stood looking down at the ashes around his feet. Jack was loud and active. He gave orders, sang, whistled, threw remarks at the silent Ralph remarks that did not need an answer, and therefore could not invite a snub, and Ralph was silent. No one, not even Jack, would ask him to move, and in the end they had to build the fire three yards away and in a place not really as convenient. So Ralph asserted his chieftainship and could not have chosen a better way if he had thought for for days. Against this weapon, so indefinable and so effective, Jack was powerless and enraged without knowing why. By the time the pile was built, They were on different sides of a high barrier. When they had dealt with the fire, another crisis arose. Jack had no means of lighting it. To his surprise, Ralph went to Piggy and took the glasses from him. Not even Ralph knew how how a link between him and Jack had been snapped and fastened elsewhere. I'll bring him back. I'll come too. Piggy stood behind him, islanded in a sea of meaningless color, while Ralph knelt and focused the glossy spot. Instantly, the fire was alight. Piggy held out his hands and grabbed the glasses back. Before these fantastically attractive flowers of violent red and yellow, unkindness melted away. They became a circle of boys around a campfire, and even Piggy and Ralph were half-drawn in. Soon, some of the boys were rushing down the slope for more wood while Jack hacked at the pig. Uh, They tried holding the whole carcass on a stake over the fire, but the stake burnt more quickly than the pig roasted. In the end, they skewered bits of meat on branches and held them in the flames, and even then, almost as much boy was roasted as meat. Ralph's mouth watered. He meant to refuse meat, but his past diet of fruit and nuts with an odd crab or fish gave him too little resistance. He accepted a piece of half-raw meat and gnawed it like a wolf. Piggy spoke, also dribbling. Aren't I having none? Jack had meant to leave him in doubt as an assertion of power, but Piggy, by advertising his omission, made more cruelty necessary. You didn't hunt. No more did Ralph, said Piggy wetly, nor Simon, he amplified. It isn't more than half a fourth of meat and a crab. Ralph stirred uneasily. Simon, sitting between the twins and Piggy, wiped his mouth and shoved his piece of meat over the rocks to Piggy, who grabbed it. The twins giggled, and Simon lowered his face in shame, then Jack up to his feet, slashed off a great hunk of meat, and flung it down at Simon's feet. Eat, damn you! He glared at Simon. Take it! He spun on his heel, center of a bewildered circle of boys. I got you meat! Numberless and inexpressible frustrations combined to make his rage elemental and awe-inspiring. I painted my face. I stole up. Now you eat, all of you, and I. Slowly, the silence on the mountaintop deepened till the click of the fire and the soft hiss of roasting meat could be heard clearly. Jack looked round for understanding, but found only respect. Ralph stood among the ashes of the signal fire, his hands full of meat, saying nothing. Then at last, Maurice broke the silence. He changed the subject to the only... They're the only one that could bring the majority of them together. Where did you find the pig? Ralph pointed down to the, uh, or Roger pointed down the unfriendly side. They were there, by the sea. Jack, recovering, could not bear to have his story told. He broke in quickly. We spread round. I crept on hands and knees. The spears fell out because they hadn't barbs on. The pig ran away and made an awful noise. It turned back and ran into the circle, bleeding. All the boys were talking at once, relieved and excited. We closed in. The first blow had paralyzed its hindquarters, so then the circle could close in and beat and beat. I cut the pig's throat. The twins, still sharing their identical grin, jumped up and ran round each other. Then the rest joined in, making pig-dying noises and shouting, One for his knob! Give him a four-penny one! Then Maurice pretended to beat the pig and ran squealing into the center. And the hunter, circling still, pretended to beat him. As they danced, they sang, Kill the pig! Cut her throat! Bash her in! Ralph watched them, envious and resentful. Not till they had flagged and the chant died away, did he speak. I'm calling an assembly. One by one, they halted and stood watching him, with the conch. I'm calling a meeting, even if we have to go on into the dark, down on the platform, when I blow it. Now. He turned away and walked off, down the mountain. Whoa, whoa!